11:15 crowd in the house. What you guys doing? Man, you guys were rocking the worship. Man, man, you guys were singing. What a beautiful name. Wasn't that good? Man, that was so good. I am am, am I am I the only one out here talking? Man, I, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyway, my name's Chris. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at WatchYourStuff.tv. Our mission is to lead people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm so, so, so very excited you're here. If you're a regular attender, we're glad to have you here. If this is your first time with us, this is a great time for you to hang out with us today. And I'm so glad you're here. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you guys a question. I want you to think about a person in your life that you know doesn't go to church. There may be a lot of different reasons why they don't go to church, but just think about that person. It may be a family member. It may be an extended family member. It may be somebody, if you're a teacher, somebody, uh, a fellow teacher, a coworker. It may be somebody you're in the army with. Just think about that person. You got their face in your minds? So think about that. And as you're thinking about that individual, the question I want to ask is simply this. If you were to invite them to church, what might they say? Now, as you think about that question, you think about them, they may give you a lot of different answers. They may give you, they may say something like this, you know what, I'm really not uh, into all that Jesus church stuff. I'm, I really don't believe the way that you believe. Um, maybe I don't need church. Uh, I'm not really into church, you know, I'm not really into that type of music, whatever that type of music is, right, or, or whatever that is. I'm, I'm not really into church because I, I'm not a churched person. If you ask the average person who doesn't go to church, and there's a lot of them, by the way, 125,274 people here in Clarksville alone who choose every Sunday not to go to church, if you would ask them, why don't you go to church? Probably the biggest answer you would probably get is because, you know what, I'm just not a churched person. I didn't grow up in that denomination. I didn't grow up with that label. I didn't grow up, you know, religious, if you will, whatever that means, right? I'm just not a church person because church is for churched people. And that's probably the biggest answer you would get. And as we kind of go through today, I just want to talk about that. The whole idea that church is for church people. Because personally, I don't believe that. I don't believe that church is for church people. In fact, our church doesn't believe that. We live in a world that believes that for church is for church people. And that kind of drives me a little a little crazy, right? Because I know that church isn't for church people because that means that Christianity is for church people. And that means that Jesus Christ only came for church people. And when he showed up 2,000 years ago, there wasn't even a church yet. It just doesn't make sense. But unfortunately, you and I, we live in a culture, we live in a society that believes that church is for church people. And if you're not a churched person, then church isn't for you. But yet we live in a country where 95% of people say that they believe in God, some type of higher power. They really do want a connection with God. And I believe that the church is the connection point between those people who are far from God and a God who desperately loves them. That the body of Christ is the equation of connecting people with God. 
And it drives me nuts that people want to connect with God, but they've had such a bad experience many times at church, they just don't want to go to church. I believe that the church should be the magnet that draws people to God, not an impediment that pushes them away. Here at OneChurch.tv, we're on a mission. We're on a mission from God. And our mission, our vision is simply this. We want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. And I say this a lot, and if you're a church person, this is not meant to be a slide on you because we want to create a church that church people love to attend. We totally do. But here's my experience over the years of ministry I've been around. is It's easy to create a church for church people because you can talk in a lot of big words that church people don't know and they'll still show up, right? See, the real challenge is creating and talking, creating this environment, an irresistible environment, where somebody who is far from God can show up, understand what we're talking about, even though they may not believe it, and we want them nodding their heads, and we want the the message that everyone teaches, every community up here to be helpful and to be life-changing for them, even though they may not believe it, We want to create a church where everyone loves to attend, churched and unchurched people. That's a charge. That's our mission. And I believe that was Jesus' mission. You see, we're in the book of Acts, and today we're going to be in Acts, primarily Acts chapter 10. But before we get there, i got to get to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the key verse found in the book of Acts. And every time I'm up here teaching on Acts, I am like a banging drum. I'm going to go to Acts 1-8. This is what it says. But... You will receive power. Look at the person next to you and say, you got some power. Now let me tell you, the Greek word power is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. All right? How many of y'all remember good times at JJ? All right? Some of you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You ain't my people. All right? You probably were born in 2002 or something. I don't know. Right, I got a little. I got, <laughs> uh, I got a little bit more years on you, and I love me some good times. Right, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, something's going to happen. You're going to be my what? Witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? Well, this verse tells us telling people about Jesus where, everywhere. First. In Jerusalem, by the way, that was Jews. Jews lived in Jerusalem, right? And then throughout Judea, by the way, that's kind of the county around Jerusalem, still Jews. And then in Samaria, they're kind of half Jewish, but kind of half not. And then to the ends of the earth. That is everywhere. Did that happen so far in the book of Acts? The answer is, it did not. Because they kind of believed their mindset was, if you're going to be a Christian, you first got to be Jewish. Because everybody who was coming to know Jesus during this time was Jewish. And the Jews, they kind of had their own language. They had their own Bible. They read the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, They had their own customs. They were religious insiders. They even had their own meeting places. Their Jewish churches were called synagogues. And that's where Judaism happened. That's where they worshipped. And it all kind of worked out because they were all Jewish. And there were these religious Jewish insiders. And in in Jerusalem, in Acts 2, several thousand people come to know Jesus in one day. 
Overnight, there's a mega church in Jerusalem, and everybody just happens to be Jewish. All 3,000 were Jewish converts. And they began to make the assumption that in order to be a Christian, you first got to become a Jew. They had forgotten that Jesus had told them in Acts 1-8, you are to be my witnesses where? Everywhere. They forgot that. So, they started having these conflicts. And the conflicts really kind of centered around this. Will they reach people or will they keep people? Are they going to keep the insiders, the religious insiders, happy? Or are they actually going to reach outside the four walls and reach everywhere? Now, here's what's so interesting. That same idea 2,000 years ago, I'm asking the same question today. Who is the church for? Who is the church for? And most people who are outside the church this morning, they would say that the church is for church people. And unfortunately, if you would ask church people, hey, who is the church for? Church is for me. It's what I want and my preferences and my desires and everything that I can get from church. Kind of like this commercial that's going to be showing behind me. Y'all watch this. Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark, and welcome to Church Hunters. We're so excited to find a church. We just started dating. Um, with the churches we go to now, just not, like for us, just not really doing it for us, you know? Right. I, I go to a satellite campus. I just find it hard to connect emotionally with a video screen. It's just... Okay, you cried during Cake Boss. So, like, we've been doing a lot of services online, a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of preachers we do like. Really good, but we want we want serious yet funny. Yeah, like commanding of the stage yet relatable, you mm-hmm. know? We're more looking for uh, the humor of Andy Stanley with the body of Stephen Furtick. Hey, guys. What's happening? I'm Corey. Good to see you. My name's Nick. This hey, is Molly. Hey, guys. Welcome to Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just okay. this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh, Ooh, wow. that's good. Big deal. He does dress his age, though, so don't worry. He's past the Osteen suit phase, but he hasn't gone full Giglio yet. Okay, oh. so he's holes in the knees or no? Well, it's frayed, but no holes. Frayed? Oh. No, okay. Got it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So, hey, let me show you around. Okay, right, Come let's on. do it. I do love this lobby. It's a great lobby. You know, yeah. it's not too big, not too small. Yeah. Should be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. But here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits, so if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Got it. Yes. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name. No. First Baptist? Who names a church that anymore? I just... Not these days. We're looking for like a Thrive Church, maybe Relevant Church, I don't know, Radiant Church, something. This is the soundboard they use here. Now remember, it's pretty traditional here. So, when Sunday comes around, they turn it way down low. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. But the one knock on this church, they still use the child care numbering system on the screens. Ooh. Uh, Yeah. Or as the moms like to call it, the Sanctuary Walk of Shame. The Sunday morning experience was just a little too traditional for us. For us. us. I mean, the pastor's main point, 157 characters. I can't tweet that. I really think you guys are going to love this place. I like it. We do. We like it. You know, it's diverse, but it's not, like, too diverse, you know? Scripture-heavy sermons? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What about, uh, is it community-oriented? Absolutely. Great. Women in ministry? 
the parking situation. You guys got to see it. Super rare nowadays. Come with me. There's like a, a maybe for when my parents we'll come into town yeah. for a church for Christmas. Easter type of church. Like a holiday Holidays. type church. One of the main reasons that I love this church for you guys is that on your personality test, Molly, you scored high in service and hospitality. Oh, babe. And there's wow. a great welcome team you could join. Perfect. Okay. And then Nick, you scored really high in need for accountability. Wow. And the men's groups here are amazing. You're just, you're just going to put that out there? Hey, just God like knows that? your heart, okay? On the next episode of Church Hunters. I think you're really going to love this place. They take relevance to a whole new level. This church identifies as inter-denon-denominational. This pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible. Honestly, we can laugh at that, right? But when we think about church, why do we pick certain churches that we go to or certain we don't? It's because of what we want, our preferences, what we can get out of it, and it's all about me. But today we're going to learn that the church is more than just me, and the church is more than just you, and the church is even more than just us. That the gospel, the good news that Jesus loves people, isn't just a small for a small select few. The good news was meant for more than just Jews, and get this, the church... It's not just for church people. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. And in this, we're going to see that God is interested in everyone, not just the religious insiders. In fact, God even hears the prayers of unbelievers. Look at what it says, Acts 10, 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was captain of the Italian regiment. Now, Cornelius, he lived in a gorgeous town called Caesarea, right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, just 45 minutes away from Jerusalem. Now, he isn't a Jew. Cornelius is not Jewish. He is a Gentile. And what Gentile means is just Jews, and then everybody else is Gentile. So he's a Roman centurion, which meant to be a centurion, he actually commanded 100 men Underneath him. Now, this is interesting. The, the, the Roman centurions were the same military rank that actually crucified Jesus, actually nailed his feet in his hands. Listen to how this guy, Cornelius, is described in verse 2. It says this He was a devout, God fearing man, as was everyone in his household. Let me just hit the pause button here. Why was everybody in his household devout and God-fearing? Because the man was. And if I could just speak to the guys here, your children and your wife are not going to be any more passionate about God or the church than you are. So you should be the ones waking up your children to go to church. You should be the ones that's nudging your wife out of bed. They're going to take their cues from you. It simply says this, he was a devout, God-fearing man, as well as everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor. And look at this. He prayed regularly to God. He didn't even know who this God was. He was praying to some type of power power. He didn't know Jesus, we're getting ready to see. But he prayed regularly to God. And you know what? Here's, what? Here's the reality. If you pray regularly to God, irregular things will happen on a regular basis. They just will. You see, some of you, the last time you prayed to God is when you said, God, thank you for this food for Thanksgiving, right? And you're wondering, well, how come 
things aren't happening on your behalf. Well, you got to pray regularly to God, and if you do, irregular things will happen on a regular basis. And that's what Cornelius did. He didn't know really God. He definitely didn't know Jesus. He was just like 95% of Americans today believing in a higher power, believing in some type of spirit, and he was seeking after God. He was seeking after a relationship with God, yet look at this. We're going to see up to this point, Christians really hadn't talked to him about this. Um, It's so very interesting here. This is how this captain was. He knew about God. He was seeking after God, and God's people should have been telling him about Jesus. Verse 3, one afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw a what? An angel, get this, I've never even seen an angel, right? I mean, I have a master's degree in seminary. I can read Greek and Hebrew, but God actually reached out to this person who didn't know him, and I love that. I love that, that God actually sent an angel because God was listening to his prayers. If you're here and you're far from God, You just need to know God is listening to you. He's watching out for you. He longs for a relationship with you. So I'm going to keep on reading. He had this vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, and Cornelius stared at him in what? Terror. You know this, every time an angel shows up, every time in the Bible, the angel always has to say, hey, don't fear. Don't fear not. Don't do it. That's the most common repeated command in the Bible because when angels show up, Right? They show up, and they're all puffed up, right? They kind of look like me. See that? Y'all see that? I, I moved. Watch it. Uh, anyway, whatever. My point is, angels were terrifying. And they showed up, and he was terrified. But look at what the angel says. He says this, What is it, sir? Cornelius said. And then the angel replied, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have not gone, what? Unnoticed by God. Again, if you're here and if you're not a church person, this isn't your normal thing on Sunday morning. You just need to know God notices you. He is looking for you. He is seeking after you. I love this. So, here's what happens. Now, send some men down to Joppa, the angel tells Cornelius, to find a man by the name of Simon Peter. And after the angel left, Cornelius, look at this, sent his servants off to Joppa. So he immediately obeys what the angel says. And, but what's amazing to me, I would expect the angel to tell Cornelius about Jesus. I mean, think about it. Angel's going to show up. I would expect the angel to say, hey, Cornelius, this is how you can get to heaven. And how you can have a relationship with God. But the angel doesn't do that. Why? Because it's not the angel's job. Whose job is it? Ours. Remember this? And you will be my witnesses everywhere. You see, God is not going to send an angel to do what he's called you and I to do. God is not going to do for you what he's asking you and I to be obedient for him to do. So, Cornelius, he's the seeking person who's lost, who's far from God. Now, let's look at the comfortable found. Let's look at Peter. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the city, Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. Now, notice, it's the centurion that's reaching out to Peter. Peter's called to go tell other people about Jesus, and Peter's out to lunch, right? He's thinking about what? 
how he's hungry. He's thinking about what you're thinking about right now, right? Like, Pastor, you need to wrap this puppy up. I got to go to the Cracker Barrel, right? So that's what he's thinking up. So Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Peter's thinking, again, about food. He starts to pray, and then he falls asleep. Now, honestly, how many of y'all, you prayed and you started falling asleep? I have. God, I just love you, and I thank you. Right? Here's the first premise. Don't ever pray in bad. Right? Because you will fall asleep. Look at this. What's so interesting? It says this. While lunch, he, prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down. Think of like a giant tablecloth or like a picnic blanket. It was let down by its four corners, and in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill, and eat them. Now, what's interesting about this is in Jewish ceremonial law, there were things that they could eat, but there were a lot of things they couldn't eat. In fact, how many of y'all you have ever heard of the word kosher, right? Kosher literally means for a Jew that they could eat that. And if it was unkosher, it was meant that it was unclean and you couldn't eat it. You could not, it, it, it really had to deal with their diet. But Peter is like, I don't know where this voice is coming from. I think it's you, Lord, but I've never done any of this. I've never eaten these things, but God tells Peter to eat. Does Peter obey immediately? Of course not. It's Peter, right? It says this, never, Lord. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, never, Lord. Now, what you just said was an oxymoron, right? Carlo talked a lot about this last week, but when you say Lord, that means he calls the shots, right? And if, if, if God says do this, the only acceptable response is yes, Lord. It's an oxymoron. It's like a jumbo shrimp. That's an oxymoron, right? Definite possibility, oxymoron. A, a University of Tennessee winning football team, that's an oxymoron, right? Just saying, right? This is what this is. Never, Lord, he says, I have never in all of my life eaten anything forbidden by our Jewish laws. Do you hear the pride in that? I've never done that, God. Oh, my gosh. Then the voice spoke again. If God says something is what? Acceptable. Don't say it isn't. In other words, the Lord's saying, it's time to change that, Peter you got to change your mindset, Peter. It's time for something new, Peter. There's a new way of approaching your faith, Peter. There's a new way of approaching other people. The same vision was repeated to him, not once, not twice, but how many times? Why? Because Peter's a little slow. Peter's kind of like you and me, right? God says, do this, and we're like, eh, I'll pray about it. God says, do this. You know what? When I feel like doing it. No. God says do it, and the answer is yes, Lord. It says in verse 16, this happens three times. So, he, in this vision really has nothing to do with food. It has something to do with food. Thank God we can all eat bacon. But it even goes way beyond that. You see, it has everything to do with people. You see, in the Jewish mind, Gentiles, they were inferior. Some even called Gentiles dogs. They were considered unclean, non-kosher people. In fact, Jews wouldn't even walk on the same sidewalk 
as a Gentile. If they saw a Gentile coming, they would walk onto the other side of the street so that they wouldn't catch their cooties. And here's the thing. I grew up in church, and I know exactly what that mindset looks like, right? You didn't smoke, you didn't chew, and you didn't go with girls who do, right? You couldn't, you didn't, they never went to dances because, oh my gosh, what would happen if, if a music with a beat happened, right? You know, I mean, and I mean, they, we, we put up all these kind of weird, dumb traditions that has nothing to do with the Bible, and, and God's like, let's strip all of this away. Peter's mindset was that Christianity was exclusive, exclusively for the Jews, that religion was for religious people, and that, get this, that the church is for what? Churched people. It's all about me. It's about church owners, church owners. But look at what Acts chapter 10, verse 17 says. Peter was very perplexed. I mean, he's, he's kind of pondering this. What could this vision mean? Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over this vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, hey, there's these guys that have come looking for you. Peter's kind of still scratching his head and doing kind of a, hmm. When all of a sudden, here's banging on the door. And he looks down and it's three army guys. Romans. Same people that like, look like the ones that killed Jesus. I mean, that'll put the fear of God into you, Right? But yet, look at what God says. Get up, go downstairs, and what's the next word? It says, go. Everybody say go. Go with them without hesitation. And look at this. Don't worry, for I have sent them. You see God's hand in all of this? Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, this Gentile, this Roman, this captain of the Italian fifth group. Cornelius has assembled a lot of his friends, a lot of the people that he serves in the army with, all of his family. He's a person of great influence, and he's there. And Peter shows up, and it's filled with a bunch of Gentiles. Not one Jewish person anywhere. No religious people anywhere. There's no church person to be found. And Peter's like, I don't know. These aren't my people. You know, this, I, I think this is, I mean, they're all, none of them dress the way he dresses, speak the way he speaks. They don't vote the way he votes. And it's just, it's just kind of weird to Peter. And look what Peter says in verse 28. Peter told them, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter into a Gentile home like this or to associate with used peoples. Do you have a you people mentality? I think all of us do. All of us grown up, and you may have been grown up with prejudice or racism or whatever that looks like. Well, you know, I don't associate with those people. I mean, how offensive is this? It's very offensive. And Peter is telling this to the people that's invited him into his house. I mean, he's not the smartest to tax. So, so here's what happens. But God has shown me, Peter says, I should no longer think of anyone as what? Impure or unclean. There it is. Peter finally gets it. He gets the vision. He grasps the meaning of what God wanted him to know. You see, before he came to Cornelius' house, he didn't really understand it. He was still perplexed. He was puzzled, right? Uh, the whole vision and the animals and the sheet and all this stuff. But once he started going, his going preceded his growing in knowledge. And some of you, that's what you need. Because here's what I know about some of you guys. Some of you, you've grown up in church, and you're ready for me to get to the deeper teaching. 
And what deeper teaching simply means, as I talked about propitiation and justification, sanctification and glorification, and ecclesiology and eschatology and anthropology and homardiology, and I can, talk, I can keep on going because I got an education. But here's the whole point. The whole point is not to bore people with the truth. The whole point is to get people to understand it so they can do something with it, so that they can go, and when they go, they grow. See, some of you, you got a lot of knowledge. In fact, you're spiritually constipated. Right? You got so much knowledge, it is backed up for years, and you ain't done nothing with it. And God is simply saying to you today, you need to go. It's not about focusing on your needs. It's about focusing on other people. It's about becoming witnesses everywhere. I love that. And then he says in verse 34, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts men from where? I'm sorry. Nobody really said that with me. Accepts men from how many nations? Every nation. Not just white people, not just black people, not just people who does like a a certain type of, of language or a certain type of belief. He wants everyone everyone to come to know him, who fear him, and to do what is right. You see, up to this point, Peter thought, you know, this whole we thing, it's about me and my preferences, the people of the church. And he only thought about people who voted like me, dressed like me, talk like me, walk like me, voted like me, all of that. But becoming a we doesn't make this about me, and that's our big idea today. Our big idea simply says, becoming a we doesn't make this about me and what I want. Church isn't about keeping people. Church is about reaching people. Let me say that again. Church isn't about keeping people. Church is about reaching people. I I love people. I'm a a highly extrovert. And the fact, one of the things I love, I love when there's so many new faces that come into our church. We have anywhere between 8 to 10, 11 first-time guests every Sunday. And I love that. But and when they show up, I'm always we're always saying goodbye to people who are PCSing and the army's kind of pushing them out. And I'm like, oh, I want you to stay. I want you to stay. But I have to remind myself it's not about keeping people, it's about what? Reaching people. So are we gonna continue to be a church that reaches people and not just keep the frozen chosen happy? Y'all hear what I'm saying here? Our mission, our focus must always be about reaching people. Why? Because God tells us over and over, this isn't about me. This is about we. It's about connecting and growing everyone. It's about connecting people who know their way around the Bible. It's about connecting people who know all of the stories of the Bible. It's about connecting people who know all the songs that you just sang. But it's also connecting people who know nothing of the Bible, who know nothing of the stories and know nothing of the songs. Both are welcome here because God wants everyone. The church isn't just for church people. The church is for everyone. It's about connecting everyone. And I, I love that, that it's a, this all mentality. But for that to happen, my job here on Sunday morning is to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that everyone can understand it. Here's a principle I learned from a guy by the name of Dr. Gilbert Brzezilkian. He was the professor of Wheaton College. He simply says this, The way you talk about the Bible on a weekend will determine their interest in the Bible during the week. 
And that is exactly, it's the reason why we communicate the way that we do. It's the reason why we do worship the way we do here. My job and every communicator's job here at OneChurch.tv is not to do alliteration and to have something to all begin with the letter S or anything like that and to be cute. Our job is to preach one point and to make it easy, obvious, accessible, and helpful for your life. We want to give people the permission to read it before they believe it. We present the scriptures in such a way, in helpful terms, so that they can go, Ah, oh, I get it. Back to Acts 10.42. And he ordered us, this is Peter talking, to preach where? Everywhere and to witness that Jesus is the chosen one of God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. That's right, Pete. That's your job, to be a witness and to talk about Jesus where? Everywhere. You see, when you finally get that, when I, we finally get that, I think one of the things that we're going to, it's the reason why we do the way things we do here in Wonderland. Right now, we have preschoolers learning about Jesus, not because we're talking over their heads, but because we're talking with them. We're having conversations with them. It's the reason why while I am communicating, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, my number is on the screen so that you can ask questions about that. We want to create conversations where everybody can understand. So my, my, my challenge for you is this. Partner with us in this. Partner with us. You see, I started this talk just by asking you, think of that person that you know who doesn't go to church. Think of that person. That may co-worker, friend, family. Now my challenge for you is this week to invite them to church. It's Christmas time. Everybody goes to church at Christmas. They do. I'm asking you for you to do your job. I mean, I can't invite your friends because I don't know them. But you do. God has given you influence with them. For you to get involved in their life and to invite them, and I promise you, if you get them here, we will do everything that we can in our power to create this as an irresistible environment where they can lean in and they can get something out of it. That's my promise to you, but I'm asking you for all of us. Our job is this not about us and what I want. Our job is to be witnesses where? Everywhere. That's even on tomorrow where you work. It's even when, where you go to school on Tuesday, second period. It's even when you go back to work at Fort Campbell on Wednesday. You are to be witnesses everywhere. So that's my challenge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that today, God, you've given us this challenge through your word that we can have a relationship with you, that you came for everyone, for all people. God, I pray that you would break our heart for what breaks your heart, our Heavenly Father. Your word says so clearly what breaks your heart is those who are far from God. You've given a story after story where you leave the 99 to go after the one. That you, you're, that the heavens rejoice, that the angels rejoice when those people who are far from God will come to know you. And God, how they're going to come to know you is because we're going to tell them. We're going to be your witnesses everywhere. 
goes, God, you are the one that really matters. What really matters is you and connecting people far from you to you. And God, I pray that today, I pray that this week, that we will be obedient and not make this about us or about me or even about we. We would make this about everyone. For God so loved the world.